My name is Alec Cowan, and you're listening to the Emerald Podcast Network. Hello, and welcome to the Emerald Basketball Podcast. It is fully into basketball season. We are. Football season's kind of not really over, but we are all in on basketball. Jack Butler here with Gus Morris. Lead basketball beat writer here. Gus Morris. What do you... Yes. Be, be specific, Jack, please. <laughs> I think they can assume. <laughs> yes, we are here to talk about Oregon basketball. Um, Final four it's bust, been, baby. Final four bust. Uh, uh, probably uh, a bust. Yeah. Probably a bust. <laughs> um, if that's your goal. But the Ducks currently sitting at five and three. They play, by the time this posts, they'll have played Colorado State tonight. So they will be... Okay. So they're 5-3 and three with the matchup at so home against Colorado State. Uh, looking to restart a home winning streak that was the best in the country, but Boise State last Friday night, one week ago, uh, with a buzzer beater, half-court three, defeated the Ducks 73-70 to and ended... A home winning streak of what was it? Forty three. Forty six games. Forty six games. Best longest winning streak in the nation. And now all of a sudden, Oregon is losers of three of their last four games. They did not play well at all in the PKA tournament. Jack, you and I were there. They only the only game they won was against DePaul, which is now turning out to be uh, one of their better wins this year. If that tells you anything about uh, Oregon's young season so far. They opened PK-80 with a loss to Connecticut, beat DePaul, and then Trey Young happened in the Oklahoma game, and then the Boise State game was uh, was their most recent game, which, yeah, like you mentioned, just absolutely heartbreaking loss. Um, it, it kind of appeared the game was going to go to overtime. Peyton Pritchard had a great last drive there, tied the game. And then with 3.1 seconds left, uh, Alexis Williams took three dribbles and hucked a one-footer just runner like it was one of the most improbable shots I think I've ever seen but just nothing but net and I'm not sure if that's like the that's the way you would want the streak to go down or whether that's uh that's not the way you want it to go down do you want it to just be a, a sort of a miracle shot and it is what it is or do you want to truly get beat yeah I don't I don't know what the answer I guess it's personal preference but how about no how about no losses it never ends the, Come on, Jack. You know what the answer is. Yeah, they will never lose at home until the end of time. That was the next logical uh, step if they had beaten Boise State, but they didn't. So, but yeah, like you were saying, um, losers of three of four, and really they 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 started to hit their toughest non-conference schedule, and they've been losing and or not playing well. I mean, even in the win against DePaul, uh, a team that isn't uh, hasn't been that great this season, but is actually kind of playing pretty well lately. They won, they won in overtime. That game had yeah. to go in overtime. It, it was it was ugly too. It was kind of an ugly game. They ended up pulling away uh, in overtime, absolutely shutting just sort of shutting DePaul down offensively. It was actually kind of defense that ended up winning that game, which is sort of ironic because the Ducks have struggled in sort of the season with defense. They've struggled with some pick and roll defense, and in a lot of ways, there have been various strategies to attacking this Oregon defense and a lot have worked and Dana Altman is sort of harped especially after PK80 and that loss to Oklahoma where Oklahoma put up 90 points against them 
Dana was like, yeah, I don't, you know, I don't know. It's just going to take guys committing. It's just going to take guys willing to put the work in on the defensive end to improve this defense. And he felt like it could be fixed, but at the same time, there are clearly a lot of holes uh, in this defense. And, you know, it's basically an entirely new team. So it's a team that needs to figure out what they're doing and, and defensively, you know, defense is truly a team game and communication and chemistry is truly key, a little more than offense. And it's really hard to find that. But these were really important big games because the Ducks' non-conference schedule is not good. No. So the games that were significant, teams that uh, were good teams and are their strength of non-conference and teams like UConn, Oklahoma, Boise State, they needed to get these wins mm. because when they hit the Pac-12, who knows what could happen. They've got a couple tough stretches in the Pac-12s if you want to, you know, eventually down the road get A, into the tournament and B, maybe a high seed in the tournament. So these are huge games that they ended up losing. And now going forward, they don't necessarily have that good of a non-conference schedule. They have Colorado State, Texas Southern, Portland State, who looked – Barry, uh, Portland State is a trap game, I think. Portland State's a tough game. They at PK eighty, they played well. Fresno State is a good team, and that is on the road, and that will not be easy. And then Central Arkansas. So who's actually given UCLA problems this year too? So they're not they're no pushover either. Yeah. So that that Fresno State game very well could be a coin flip, kind of going into that. So, uh, really setting up. I mean, even. I know kind of some wild speculation, but, you know, if the Ducks want to set themselves up well for March and even get in, they, they kind of got to tighten up. Uh, yeah, you think? Um, yeah, I mean, they're definitely not playing their best basketball right now in, in any way, shape, or form, and all the guys know that. And, and you know, I think they, they you know, they, they probably realized that there would be some growing pains this year. I mean, you kind of mentioned all the turnover, and, I mean, they have one returning starter. It's, you know, Peyton Pritchard's, you know, the, the one guy in this – you know, it was who gets consistent time. That was, you know, a big part of that, you know, final four run last year. And I mean, you know, they have four essentially new starters. They have a, you know, really young team, you know, a couple grad transfers who play a lot of minutes. So it's just a weird mesh of guys. And they definitely have not hit that point where they're all playing together yet. And I mean, granted, Dana Allman's teams don't always play it that well at the beginning of the season. I mean, even you look last year with that final four team. And I mean, they had, they still had some, you know, not great games, you know, in the, in the Maui Invitational. Yeah. Granted, granted Dylan Brooks, I, you know, was not hundred percent for those games, but it's still, you know, they, they didn't play that well at the beginning of the season and they bounced back and we all know what happened there. But you know, that's kind of, that's yeah. kind of what happens with these Dan Altman teams and is they don't play well at the beginning and they figure it out. They put it together and they get going towards the end of the season. And this is so much different. It's so much different, though. That's that's the one caveat here is 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 this is a, a like like I've said, a young team, a lot of new pieces together, still trying to figure out what they do well, what you know, what their identity is, and it's it's been a struggle so far. And I mean, they really have to perform well, I think, in these last. What I mean, they have six more non-conference games, and you know, one of which is on the road against Fresno State, like you said, and that's not an easy game, and that's probably going to be their toughest game they have left on their non-conference schedule until. You know, conference play starts, and um, you know, granted, you open with Utah, Colorado, and Oregon State, and you know that shouldn't be that tough a tough tough of an opening slate. But we also have no idea what this team is going to look like in the next yeah. three and a half weeks. And I mean, Boise State's got some players, but they weren't supposed to be that tough. No. So, it, well, also caveat with that game as well. Troy Brown didn't play, who's one of Oregon's better players. He did not play. However, you know, he's not necessarily living up to some of the expectations he had came in. I mean, he was a five-star guy. 
he came in uh, with a, maybe you know maybe the expectations were a little too high. I mean, um, expect a fre- even though yes, college basketball is full of freshmen who come in and contribute right away. It is still a really difficult thing to do. But you know, coming in in NBA mock drafts, you know he was a lottery pick guy or at least a top twenty guy. And I was looking through some last night. And one, he was still there, but there were a couple he just wasn't, you know, he wasn't even in the first round. So a little drop off, and he could obviously turn around. He suffered a concussion against uh, Oklahoma, so still kind of recovering from that, and he did not play. Is he? Yeah, he'll be back on Friday. Yeah. He'll be back on Friday, so <clears throat> he'll be back. But, you know, he's fourth on the team, 11.7 points per game. Um, right there tied with Paul White, but a guy that probably needs more scoring because one of the things I think I, I look at this team and offensively they've been good, but there's not that one guy to me that kind of can just go get you a bucket. Like I, last year it always seemed like Dylan Brooks or mm-hmm. Tyler Dorsey. You're before that Joe Young. You're, yeah, you're yeah, before that Joe Young. It was clear like that here's a guy that when we are down or towards the end when we just kind of need to go bucket for bucket, they were those guys. Yeah. And I don't know who that guy is. I mean, Peyton Pritchard is averaging 16.4 points per game, which is really good. But if, you know, watching the watching the games, he's not necessarily that guy. That, no. He, he hasn't been that guy that just can take an offense on his back in terms of putting the – in terms of scoring. And, you know, Elijah Brown, the transfer, he's he's down there at 12.9 points per game. But, you know, he's, he's shooting – 30% from the feet from 339 from the field. It's it's not great percentages and he has clearly been a little hesitant at times to be the guy. So Yeah, to- I mean, he's still he's still trying to learn the system, I think. You know, at at UNM it was very get get Elijah the ball, he'll get us a bucket, you know, just kind of go ISO one-on-one and we're going to not play that way in any way shape or form. It's much more ball movement, keep the, you know, pass the ball, move it, look for mismatches, you know, don't force a shot. And that was a funny thing was this year is that, you know, Dana wanted to work with Elijah on his efficiency and, you know, work on him, you know, getting better shots and getting more open looks and, you know, improving those percentages. And it has not worked out in the, in, in that way at all so far. I mean, like you kind of mentioned, he's been hesitant with his shots. His, I mean, honestly, I think his shot is, I mean, it's worked before and I'm not going to like get into, you know, the fundamentals of how <laughs> a shot looks, but it just comes off a little, a little funky. It's a little funky. It's a little slow. And again, I don't want to get into the mechanics and everything because, again, he's he's a D1 and, you know, D1 player who's been doing this for you know his entire life, so he knows what he's doing. But, you know, it's it's just one area that, that I, you know, I wasn't really expecting this to be the Elijah Brown that we got this year. And, yeah, you mentioned Pey- Pey- Peyton Pritchard as, you know, the guy who, who's kind of Oregon's go-to guy for a buck right now. And, I mean, you know, Oregon has, you know, f- Two, three other guys who are averaging double figures to go along with him, but they don't have that one guy. And Peyton kind of is that guy at this point. But, you know, when he starts facing better competition, when he starts facing bigger defenders and better defenders, and, you know, when the Pac-12 comes up, I, I think he's going to struggle a little bit. And I think if if Oregon doesn't, you know, kind of figure out how, you know, this offense and how it works together and, you know, how to how to make this team work, I I think Oregon could definitely struggle in the when when conference play comes up, yeah, and just kind of the the nature of their offense this season has been relying on the on their three point line. I mm-hmm. mean, 30, and, and getting out and running in transition too. Yeah, and you know, thirty thirty four percent of their points have been uh, from the three point line, and that's that's a little bit higher than average. It's not anything off the charts, but you know, in in games against 
uh, you know, really in, in PK-80, they, they took a lot of threes in that DePaul game. They they took something like, gosh, it's like 43s or something like that. Yeah, it was a lot. Well, yeah. and, and, and and that was kind of the the strategy. I think Dan has said after the game, mm-hmm. you know, with the, like you know DePaul likes to pack it in and, you know, not, not allow a lot of inside buckets. And, you know, Oregon really kind of game plan for that and took a crap ton of threes. But, um but yeah, I mean, it does kind of play into that too, where that is kind of the offensive style this year. Yeah, is they're I, just shooting and shooting and shooting. And and that just is tough because you know there's going to be nights where it's just not going to fall. Yeah. Like that's just basketball. Uh, as good of a shooting team as you can be, there are just nights where it's not going to fall. So what what do you then have to default to? You know, if you if your three isn't falling, can you say okay, let's go? You know, let's drive. Let's get to the paint. Yeah. Let's get let's get some of these buckets. And there hasn't been. Um, you know, a lot of guys that can really go and just finish at the rim. I mean, Dylan Brooks was fantastic at that. You well, know? And, and, I, and I mean, you know, when, when Dylan drove, it was also, you know, you have Chris Boucher who's crashing the glass. You have Jordan Bell who's crashing the, crashing the glass. And mm-hmm. Oregon does not have a big guy like that this year. Yeah, they don't. And and that kind of plays into something that I think, I think Kenny oh, Wooten. Jack is on this. this I is... think Kenny Wooten, the center, uh, you know, should get a little more minutes. He's uh Eighth on the team in minutes. Uh, he's a freshman, and uh, and you know he's he's got a lot he needs he's to work very on. Very raw. He's very raw. Very raw. But if we're talking defense as something this team needs to improve, he's a shot blocker and he's a rim protector and he's somebody that can alter the shot of an opponent driving to the rim. He has twenty one blocks. <laughs> the next highest on the team is Paul White with six. Nobody else is a rim protector, and I think he che- he helps their defense now. Sometimes he gets a little over-anxious, and, you know, he still needs to learn on where to be in the right place at times. I was going to say, what are his foul numbers, Jack? And you were talking about those earlier, too. I was, you know, sometimes he is caught in the right place. He's eighth in minutes, but he's third on the team in fouls. But that's also the nature of his position a little bit, too. If he's going to be the, the rim protector, he's going to get called. But as far as helping this defense, if – if everything's kind of guys are miscommunicating, there's going to be times where you just need somebody to clean it up. And I think he could be a guy that could go in there and help clean it up defensively for a team that has been struggling defensively. And and one guy who can kind of clean it up like that a little bit too is one of the grad transfers, Mikhail McIntosh, who's started all, all, all eight of Oregon's games. Um, you know, he's – He's had a good start to the season. I mean, he hasn't shot the ball particularly well, uh, but he's averaging about six rebounds a game. Um, he's scoring, trying to find, 8.4 points a game. So, I mean, eight and a half and six is, is you know, nothing terrible at all, but it's not what you're looking for out of one of the guys that you consider one of your big men. You know, I mean, at this point, they're bigger guys, you know, like they're four and five or are being played by Paul White and and McIntosh. You know that's that's their starting four and five, and um, I don't know. That's not really a a four five combination. Sounding like to me. I mean, honestly, McIntosh is more of a more of a bully ball four guy. Um, maybe even like a like an, a bit like a kind of unconventional three guard. And Paul White's definitely more of a stretch four. Like ne- neither of those guys are, are defensive stalwarts either. Yeah. I mean, Kenny Wooten is the only guy who kind of gives you any rim protection. And you know, Dana's Dana's kind of talked about you know what you know how they need guys to kind of step up more in that role. And Kenny's kind of been the only guy. But I mean, again, like you mentioned, he's raw. He fouls a lot. 
Um, I mean, a lot of the times when he goes for blocks, he's leaving guys exposed in the back end, and you know, putbacks and tip-ins are really common. I think he was negative 20 in Oregon's game against Oklahoma. You know, Oregon was outscored by 20 points in that game. Granted, no one really played super well in that game, but it's still, you know, there are stretches that he has where you know Oregon just is not as good defensively as maybe they should be. But again, young player, young team. These are all kind of you know we're prefacing all this yeah. stuff with this is with this is still an a young and new team and and I mean that kind of leads me and I think that fans should kind of have baited ex- expectations for this for this season yeah um you know I mean the final four run obviously you know people were thinking this is you know this year is going to be a bit of a reload you know pretty good recruiting class you know Troy Brown is you know could be Oregon's first one and done you know a lot of talent you know good good grad transfers people were really excited and maybe they didn't really kind of acknowledge the fact that hey maybe this team will take a little bit longer to gel than than usual yeah, I think it'll take a little longer than usual, but also they really, I mean, not to kind of harp on this point, but they're they're five and three, and their schedule, you know, really hasn't necessarily been that tough. And it's they if they if they want to be a high seed in the NCAA tournament, or again even make the NCAA tournament, like they're gonna have to, they better kind of finish out this conference, this non-conference schedule really strong with pretty much all wins, and then. They really got to take care of business in the Pac-12, which the Pac-12 is kind of all over the place right now, but there's still some pretty good teams in there, and the Ducks don't really look like they're a team that's put together yet. So they better kind of turn around quickly because, yes, last year, and to compare this team to last year's team is doing this year's team a disservice because even just even if they're playing well, it's just not nearly as talented, clearly. Yeah. But at the same time, last year it was kind of like, oh, well, you know, they have the talent to fit it together they just got to play you know they just got to finally put the pieces together and but you know they had sort of not you know an extremely legitimate excuse not really an excuse but what i'm trying to say you know dylan brooks was out he was injured he was limited minutes Mm -hmm. like he comes back it changes everything and it did change everything um there's nobody on this team like they don't have that it's everybody all the pieces are on the chessboard they just got to figure out how to play it, and it's it's going to take time. But you know the clock's kind of ticking. They better start now because yeah. there there's a good amount of holes on this team, and they better they better put it together pretty quickly. Yeah, I think Oregon fans are already you know I mean I don't want to be too too premature with this, but I think Oregon fans are already looking forward to that you know Bull Bull Louis King Miles Norris recruiting class for next year. But yeah, there's a lot of noise about about next year already. But, you know, there's still pretty much an entire season left to play. But, you know, the Pac-12, in a sense, kind of looks up for grabs. Um, you know, Arizona was preseason number two, but but they've already had a couple losses, a couple a couple bad losses too. So there's an opportunity here, with that being said, there's an opportunity here for Oregon to really make a run during Pac-12 play because they've got a couple stretches of Pac-12 play where the schedule's pretty favorable. Um, you know, they have... A couple trips uh, down to the Arizonas early on, but then they don't really hit a tough patch until almost a month later when they have to go down to USC and UCLA. So there's kind of room. There's a little room for them to kind of figure it out and pack tough play, but by that point, you know, they don't have a good non-conference win right now, and they really won't have a good non-conference win. So they better kind of put it together in Pac-12 play. Yeah. Um, I think you kind of nailed it on the head there. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I think I think if like if, if all things kind of go right here, you know, best-case scenario, Oregon wins out the rest of their non-conference schedule, which, 
you know, I mean, if you're an Oregon fan, you do, you hope they should. I mean, Colorado State, Texas Southern, Portland State, Fresno State, and Central Arkansas, those should be five wins. Um, and, I mean, you know, then you kind of come into conference play with, you know, Utah, Colorado, and Oregon State, which, again, best-case scenario, those are also three wins. But then, then your next four, you have Arizona State, Arizona, USC, UCLA. It's not exactly the easiest stretch coming off of what, you know, supposedly should be a couple wins, and Oregon honestly could probably drop three or four there, maybe even four or four, but... But, you know, then you get an Oregon, you know, to, uh, back to Oregon State and then Cal Stanford, who have been all over the place. Stanford is, Stanford was picked to finish, what, fifth? Fifth in the Pac-12, and they already have some pretty horrible losses. They got almost blown out against Portland State. Oregon plays in uh, a week. Um, you know, Cal's just really not very good this year. Uh, Washington, Washington actually, just actually beat Kansas last night, like, that came out of nowhere. Yeah. Number two team in the country, Kansas, at at Allen Fieldhouse. Too, What's no interesting less. though is that those Stanford and Cal games are on the road, and for whatever they, reason, yeah, Oregon play always plays terribly. In the Oregon Bay always plays doesn't play particularly well in the Bay. Yeah, uh, for whatever reason, but yeah, I mean, again, there's there's kind of we know it would be some growing pains, but the room for error is very small now. Yeah. If this team wants to accomplish some of the expectations that come with a consistently powerhouse program, which is what you could argue Oregon is now, mm. um, but certainly what they want to be. So, uh, pretty happy the ink's dry on those Bull Bull and Bull Bull and Miles Norris contracts. The, the ink is dry, but that'll be next year. But for now, they've got a, a lot to figure out, but but still some talent on this team. So I think that does it for us. We'll be back with more of these two. We'll be back sure. with more. Uh, still, as we said, a lot to talk about and felt like we just kind of hit the tip of the iceberg there. And we'll get deeper into it as the season gets deeper. So Jack Butler, Gus Morris, uh, that does it for the Emerald Basketball Podcast. You can listen to more emerald podcasts on itunes soundcloud wherever you find your podcasts we're there and if you go to www.dailyemerald.com there's on the side a whole bar of podcasts you can listen just read the website or do soundcloud wherever whichever you prefer so that does it and uh thank you for listening